Welcome to On Top of PR with Jason Mudd, presented by ReviewMaxer. Hello and welcome to On Top of PR. I'm your host, Jason Mudd. Today I'm joined with Rob Biesenbach. Rob is somebody I've gotten to know over the years through the Public Relations Society of America. Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're glad to have you. I'm glad to be here and glad that we got connected on this. So truth be told, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we've known each other for, uh, I think, since we first met in Puerto Rico at the uh, PRSA conference there. Uh, yeah. might, uh, if it wasn't Puerto Rico, it might have been Key West. Uh, but Key West. Yeah, yeah there we go. Uh, either way, um, you know, you were a great keynote speaker there and we became connected on LinkedIn and then recently saw an article you wrote in an industry magazine and I said to Darby, let's get Rob on the show. So welcome. <laughs> Glad to be here. So I think initially uh, we're going to talk about the embracing the power of no, but you have so much knowledge and information. We'll probably pivot and talk more about uh, storytelling and many other things. But, you know, as I, as I kind of set the table for this conversation, there's been a lot of studies that have said the PR profession is one of the most stressful professions you can be in. So I'm always mindful of kind of guiding my team through those stressful days and stressful moments and making sure they've got a, a, a purpose and why and why they uh, choose to practice and be in the public relations profession. But I, one of my secrets for enjoying less stress is definitely embracing the power of saying no. And so I thought for our audience of other PR professionals, marketing professionals, let's talk about embracing the power of no. And uh, Rob, why don't I turn it over to you to kind of set the table a little bit about that? Sure. Well, I think the, the, the headlines with all is don't confuse an invitation for an opportunity. Just because you get asked to serve on some committee or task force or even take on an assignment at work or a, a, a volunteer effort in the community, just because you get invited doesn't mean that you have to do it. And I think our instinct, you know, we're hardworking people in PR is like, yes, you, we, yes, yes, I can. I can take care of that. No problem. And then you know, what, what happens is, well, it, it all leads to that stress, uh, as, as you just talked about. It's a very stressful occupation because I think people overextend themselves unnecessarily. Yeah, I completely agree. And I love your comment about, uh, you know, don't ex don't think of an invitation as a um, as an opportunity, but also maybe not every invitation is an obligation. Right. You have the opportunity to simply say no. And uh, especially with our busy schedules and personal life and things like that. So. Um, yeah, for sure. My my little anecdote is um, when the Great Recession hit, um, you know, we started realizing that we had a lot of activity, but not a lot of strategy behind our own marketing, you know, for our own agency. And so one of the things we did was just eliminate, eliminate a lot of the stuff we were doing, a lot of the, you know, busy work or networking events we were going to. And suddenly my team and I found ourselves with a lot more free time, right, to enjoy life and to get out and 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 be involved in our family and community in a different way and actually that brought renewed energy and enthusiasm and creativity to the workplace so uh i'm a big believer in you know it's easy to have a strategy or a lot of activity and no strategy and part of that is embracing the power of no yeah yeah i mean it's it's all about what are your what are your core priorities and if you're asked to do something you should ask yourself as everyone should have a set of questions they ask themselves uh, for me, it's it's will this um, uh, be a good opportunity to help me advance my business and, or, or grow my business in some way? Will I get to meet the kinds of people who can help me grow my business? 
Uh, will I learn something that's really important to my business? And of course, there's also the question of, will I be making a difference in doing good? Mm. Uh, ideally, you find something that will tick most of those boxes. But I think very often we choose to help out in a way because just to help, because it, it feels good. It's the right thing to do, but it doesn't tick any of those strategic boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know too many people have a lot of extra time on their hands. Why not focus on those things that are really going to make a difference, not just for the community or for the project, but for yourself. And so that might include perhaps uh, making sure, you know, does this align with our mission and vision? Does it align with our core values? Does it align with my personal core values? Um, you know, is it a priority compared to my uh, family, hobbies and profession, uh, I would imagine as well? Yeah. I mean, you think about all the things already on your plate, you're going to maybe add another one. Okay. If you don't have an extra several hours a week to devote to this, what are you going to cut back on? You're going to cut back on family time, fitness, work priorities, your your other obligations, your clients. It's, it's mm-hmm. uh, you know, something's got to give. And what I find is sometimes people get into roles and this has happened to me. You get into a role, you volunteer for something and you just can't give it your best. And I think there's nothing worse than being stuck in a role that you know you're not living up to your potential. It makes you feel bad and it doesn't help the organization that you're volunteering with. Yeah, one thing I do every year around uh, the end of the year towards December, I really start looking at where am I involved and what are my commitments and which of those do I want to continue? Uh, And that's based on one, you know, do I feel like I'm adding value? Uh, Two, do I feel like I'm getting value? And three, do I feel like the organization is, is advancing, right? The, the Mm -hmm. nonprofit I might be volunteering with or stuff like that. And there's been boards where I've served on for years and I feel like we're still at the same point we were when I first joined the board. And uh, you know, whether that's, you know, uh, my fault or just the, the momentum in the organization itself, and so, you know, that's kind of the way I, I figure out how to say no is just say, you know, hey, I'm not going to be involved in this organization next year and uh, pursuing some other interest and uh, and the like. So uh, what tips do you have for, um, you know, saying no or anecdotal, Rob, where you have uh, maybe politely exited out or just said no? Yeah, apparently I'm really good at saying no. I remember one time I uh, at least you said yes to this interview. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Um I, I once had to turn down some job candidates and I picked a certain candidate that I was interviewing people for a job. And my one person wrote back, this, that was the nicest rejection letter I've ever received. <laughs> so I think it's about treating people like humans, being sensitive, but also being assertive. And so when you're turning down an opportunity to say, you know, this is a great cause or this is a great, this is really important. I would love to contribute, but Right now, I have these other responsibilities, mm. and if I took this on, I wouldn't be able to take care of those. Right, nor be a good participant in whatever you're being asked to do. I think is is uh, the way to look at that. Also, now, Rob, um, it just dawned on me because uh, we're friendly. I forgot to, you know, kind of formally introduce you with your your great bio oh. here. So, <laughs> you know, um, uh, you're a keynote speaker, an award winning communications consultant, and this is the cool part: a Second City trained actor. Uh, and of course, you're uh, there. You go in the background. If you're watching the video, you can see some of that. Uh, you've also worked with great organizations like ARP, Allstate, and Coca-Cola in your career. Um, tell us about your experience at uh, Second City. Oh, it was great. Um, early 2000s, I was just yearning for something a little more creative in my life, 
And so I signed up for classes at Second City here in Chicago. I started doing improv and sketch and and just from there, it just blossomed. I went all in screenwriting, um, sketch writing, playwriting. I went on to theater, uh, theater, dramatic and comic commercials. So I really I, I had a whole second career. You know, mm -hmm. by by day, I was this communications guy business. And by night and weekends, I was a performer. And it was it was probably one of the most enriching experiences I've ever had. So second career uh, through Second City, I like it. Um, yeah. <laughs> are you uh, are you doing anything like that actively today? Uh, no, I, I officially retired <laughs> a few years ago because I just my schedule got too busy. I, 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 I stopped doing theater because that's that could be 30, 50, 60 hours a week. Uh, I just stuck to the commercials, but even that was too much getting and mm -hmm. cutting back my time. So sure, sure. But the great thing is I went in with the idea of this will be creative. This will be fun. Maybe I'll have a career in comedy. I don't know. Mm -hmm. What it ended up happen, happening was I realized that everything I was learning and, and, and doing on stage and in front of the camera could be applied directly to my business career. So that became the whole basis of my business going forward over a decade ago that using lessons from the world of performance to help people perform better mm -hmm. uh, on the job and in the marketplace. And that led to keynotes, workshops, consulting, all the rest, books. Yeah. So one thing we try to do once a year is have some kind of uh, improv workshop uh, where uh, our team, uh, you know, we're spread kind of across the U.S. So we try to get people that are in the same city to get together and do, um, you know, some improv workshops together just to kind of learn how to, you know, yes and and, and how to improvise and uh, you know, it's not officially one of our core values, but I talk about that on a weekly basis, like, well, we'll just have to improvise. And so, yeah. as you know, getting people on stage and in a, in a role where they're, um, you know, kind of practicing, whether it's in a conference room or just together having fun is a great way to help them, you know, obviously improvise and think quickly on their feet and lead to more creativity uh, in my experience as well. And so. Uh, that's something that we do on the regular, and I highly encourage other marketing, corporate communications department to bring in a um, improv, you know, coach or, or trainer, and and have those sessions. And we use those as warms up, warm ups for our brainstorming sessions and things like that. Uh, Rob, in your experience, how have you taken what you learned at Second City and being a keynote speaker? Uh, how have you applied that to your corporate communications uh, profession? Uh, well, first, one of my most popular programs is storytelling. And so and I, I wrote I wrote a book, Unleash the Power of Storytelling. And that's one of my that and presentation skills are the two biggest programs uh, that, that clients demand. And so the storytelling comes from just the training I got at Second City and studying the way stories work on stage and in film and all the rest. So that was a big part of it. In presentation skills, I talk a lot about using your body correctly. I talk about bringing energy to a room and focus, practice, rehearsal. So there's just tons and tons. My first book was Act Like You Mean Business. It was all these lessons from the world of acting that can help mm -hmm. you in business. Interesting. Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to take a quick break. And on the other side, I'd like to dig into that a little bit more, Rob. Great. All right. We'll be right back after this message. You're listening to On Top of PR with your host, Jason Mudd. Jason is a trusted advisor to some of America's most admired and fastest growing brands. 
He is the managing partner at Axia Public Relations, a PR agency that guides news, social, and web strategies for national companies. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to On Top of PR. We're joined by Rob. And Rob, we were just talking about uh, your one of your books and how you've been able to kind of give some tips and what you've learned in acting and, and how that can help in corporate communications. Let's run through a few of those, just a few highlights that you think would be interesting to our audience. Uh, well, the, you know, storytelling has become, it's become an industry in and of itself. I think there's 30,000 books on Amazon on storytelling. Uh, but that's, it, it is core to everything we do. And um, so I wrote a whole book on the subject and I, you know, I don't think I'm the world's best author, but I will say uh, coming up on our fourth anniversary of the book, four Congratulations. years. Thank you. It's December was its highest amount of sales ever. I mean, and last year was just off the charts. Uh, so I think that's an indication that this is a subject of a deep, deep interest to a lot of people. And it's the foundation of everything is storytelling. I completely agree. I think uh, we could all be better storytellers and we remember people who are great storytellers. You know, my late grandfather was a great storyteller. When people remember him, they remember his great stories and the jokes he would tell and things like that. And I think people are naturally attracted to storytelling. And as we keep coaching with our clients, the better your company is about telling stories, the more interesting pe interested people will be in who you are and what you do. And until you become interesting to them, you know, you're really just kind of beating your chest and, and, and no one's necessarily listening to what you're shouting. Yeah. Seth Godin said logic is a battering ram. I mean, you can bury people in facts and data and evidence and all the rest and you need that stuff. But by itself, it's not enough to persuade. You know, you have to you have to win hearts to change minds. Mm -hmm. So in your experience as an actor, how has that informed and changed your approach to corporate communications, Rob? It 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 changed. Well, I think it provided, it took a lot of the principles I was already tuned into, things like keying into your audience and, and telling stories and de developing a narrative and connecting with people and showing empathy, all of those things. But what it did, it, it, it crystallized it all for me into a framework of how to approach communications. You think about it as a performance and you, you take those principles and you bring them on down to the everyday in business or the workplace or the marketplace, then um, <clears throat> it all just really came together for me. And so if somebody who's listening, maybe they're a CEO, maybe they're uh, a chief marketing officer, and they have this vision of, or or maybe they're just, uh, you know, uh, mid-level, junior level in marketing and PR, and they think, I would love to make a living being a keynote speaker. Uh, hmm. What advice would you give them to get to just simply for getting started? Uh, it can it can be a long road. There's a lot of people out there who want to be speakers. Mm -hmm. um, I would say you have to have a crystal clear idea of your message. I think you have to be a superior communicator, which if if you're in this industry, you are or in this profession. You should be. Yeah. Um, you have to have a laser focus. You have to know who, who are my buyers. Mm -hmm. um, and you have to know what you're offering. What is the problem you're out there addressing and, and how are you going to address it? Among other things. Yeah. I, I was fortunate. I, 
I was able to leapfrog a number of steps in my speaking career. And I think it was because I had this foundation. First of all, I was already a professional communicator. So I have that down. Mm -hmm. Um, Secondly, I spent 15 years as an executive speech writer working behind the scenes with CEOs on crafting speeches and coaching them. And third, the performance uh, angle. So it's not just the words, but not what you say, but how you say it. And so that all kind of came together and my career accelerated pretty quickly. Very nice. Very nice. And so, Rob, how does somebody that wants to become a, a keynote speaker, how do they figure out what their topic is and how do they fi- make sure and fine tune that topic so it, it's relevant and attractive to audiences? Well, uh, you start with what you're good at and what you know. Um, I mean, my first book was really an attempt to just capture all of my experience, anecdotes, and viewpoints on the subject of communication. So I think that might be a, you don't have to write a book, certainly not one for publication, but I would tell people, write out a manifesto, just write out what you believe about your subject area, what you know, and what stories you have. And from there, maybe it starts to percolate and it becomes a speech, a platform, or a series of speeches. Yeah, that's the first step. That's that's the content. Okay, and 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 then what? Sounds like there's something else. Oh, well, next you got to figure out who you're talking to. Uh, you got to, and the age-old wisdom, and it worked for me, was you go with audiences you know, any organization you belong to, anybody you know who belongs to an association, a volunteer group, any company, any whatever. You ask, hey, I'd like to come and do a lunch and learn. I'd like to do a webinar. I'd like to do you know, and you start for free uh, and you get some, you know, get some practice and refine it and then you build out and then you do enough of those and you get more confident and you start getting paid gigs. Nice. And then once you start getting paid gigs, uh, what are the new challenges at that point, Rob? Because I'm sure it doesn't just uh, suddenly become all downhill from there. Yeah. Um, well, it's all about growth and going from one level to the next. There are certain levels of speakers. um, And if it depends on where you want to go with it, Um, part of it, you got to have a good marketing toolkit. You've got to, I think, keying in on your buyers and what their problems are, being able to do that, packaging your experience. I mean, you need you need headshots, you need video of yourself speaking, you need uh, marketing materials. all the rest. I, I remember when I first started, my goal was to do 50 speaking engagements a year. I now look at that and just think that's just, that's, that's ridiculous. I've gotten up to maybe two dozen or 30 and that, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. So I decided, you know, instead of trying to do 50 speaking engagements at my then rate, <laughs> just work on escalating my rates and do right. fewer. <laughs> right. So that's, that's been a good strategy. Yeah, excellent. So what what have you seen as far as, you know, recording this January 27th of 2022? What have you seen as far as changes in the speaking marketplace uh, now that we're, you know, hopefully coming out of COVID and, uh, you know, uh, dealing, uh, you know, with the current variant and things like that? What, what are you seeing as a speaker? Um, still a lot of virtual opportunities or yeah. are we starting to see more in person? 95% of my clients are corporate or, or organizations as opposed to associations. Mm-hmm. The associations <clears throat> have gone back to live 
much longer than corporations have felt comfortable doing that because that's their bread and butter, their annual conference. That's where they make their money. The companies and the organizations I work with have been much more cautious and they've found a lot of virtue in, in virtual. So I have not done an in-person speech since early March of 2020. And that suits me fine. And so I think it's come in fits and starts. And I think people were feeling good, obviously, last summer, last fall. And I think right now people are feeling pretty whipsawed. They're like, okay, we're back. Are we back to square one? What's next? And people just don't know. And I think last year was all about, I had my best year ever because I think everybody said, we're doing virtual, that's it. Um, this year, I think people are really uncertain about where things are going to go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm kind of the same way too. You know, I would think by now we'd be a long way out of it. I hope by summer, uh, you know, we're encouraging, you know, more in-person type activities, but, you know, from a productivity standpoint, I'm not an airplane as much as I used to be, right. I'm not expected to be yeah. in person for meetings as much as I used to be. So I feel like I'm getting twice as much done and, yeah. uh, you know, just battling through it like everyone else. And you said you had a great year last year. We had a great year last year as well. And, yeah. um, you know, there's a lot of business to be had and the economic reports that just came out yesterday and today are showing significant economic, uh, you know, more than recovery, uh, you know, economic growth beyond what it was like before uh, the pandemic even set in. So those are all good signs, I would say. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think when done right and well, virtual can be every bit as good as in person. And with all the advantages of easier to get people together, saving money and all the rest. Um, there are certain things that are much better live, sure. um, but their technology has come a long way and it's continuing to advance where, you know, if we're looking at if, if the metaverse is something, <laughs> then, you know, maybe we'll all just be avatars at some big yeah. virtual conference somewhere. I don't right. know. Yeah, who would have thought that Bruce Willis movie Surrogates years ago would uh, you know we'd be so close to that being possibly true with the metaverse right. coming, coming live? So yeah, I had to rewatch that movie recently just because I remember it so well and thinking in the pandemic, you know, months or years that we almost feel like surrogates in some way, especially with this whole chatter of uh, you know the metaverse being the new thing. So. Uh, listen, Rob, this has been a great conversation. I understand that you are offering our audience uh, a free storytelling toolkit that they can download. Tell us more about that. Oh, yeah. I, one of the most important stories that anyone can tell is the story of who they are. What happens is time and again, when I go to meetings and people introduce themselves, we're terrible at it. It's, mm -hmm. it's what I call alphabet soup syndrome. It's just this recitation of their LinkedIn profile, every job title organization, location, year, date, number, it's data and it doesn't mm -hmm. stick. It doesn't help you stand out. So everybody needs to learn their story. So I have a storytelling toolkit. It's chapter 13 of, do you get chapter 13 of the book as well as some worksheets with examples of people's stories and a process that you can go through to build your story. Uh, and I know we'll drop a link in the show notes, but it's mm -hmm. robbiesenbach.com slash story toolkit. Um, but yeah, it's going to be much easier, especially 
spelling my name people just follow the link <laughs> yes we will be sure to put a link to that in the episode notes rob as well as a link to your book that you mentioned earlier and any other resources that uh might be helpful based on the conversation we've had here today rob i want to thank you for uh joining us on on top of pr it's been a pleasure to reconnect with you i look forward to seeing you speak live in the near future hopefully at a great venue that's uh much warmer than what we're experiencing right now in, in late January. Uh, and if our audience wants to get a hold of you directly, uh, how do they best do that? Uh, it's it's all on my web website. If you can spell my name, you can find me. There's only one Rob Biesenbach, B-I-E-S-E-N-B-A-C-H, or connect with me on LinkedIn or check out my YouTube channel. Those are the primary places where, where they can find me. Well, Rob, that sounds great. We'll also post a video version of this on YouTube as well. Appreciate you uh, joining us. And uh, like I said, look forward to seeing you soon. And uh, it's always a pleasure. Great. Thank you so much, Jason. Have a great day. Thanks, Rob. Evening. (laughs) (laughs) And so this has been another episode of On Top of PR. Thank you for tuning in. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with a friend or colleague who would benefit from it. And we just appreciate you and your support of On Top of PR. Be well. This has been On Top of PR with Jason Mudd, presented by ReviewMaxer. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and check out past shows at ontopofpr.com. <laughs>